Mm. Hey, let's let this intro get a little awkward. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Uh, oh, that's a question I've been asking myself for years. Who, 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 I've been singing that a lot uh, because Leanne's watching The Dragon Prince. Oh. How is that? I, I've had a lot of friends it's, talk the, about it. The, the show's awesome. Mm. Uh, I've, I've only watched the first season, but I love that first season. She's been, and so I've watched about half of the second season tonight while I was playing Pokemon. Um, yeah. And uh, they just keep asking people, who are you? Over and over <laughs> and over again. Yeah. So I've, keep... yeah. I've seen everything up until the most recent season. I think maybe the first three. And I, I, it's awesome. I think yeah. it keeps getting better as far as what I've seen. Jonathan, I think you'll really, you'll really like it specifically. Yeah, fair it, enough. Yeah. It unapologetically is like Lord of the Rings and all its influences, but in a good way. Fair enough. It's it's something yeah. I've been meaning to check out. It's something on the list, but I just Last that, that list is yeah. long. Yeah, it's it's good fantasy, but it's also like the characters speak very like modernly. <laughs> it's hmm. kind of yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like. Uh, uh, Critical like Role that. came out with that uh, cartoon. Oh, to go with their show. Yeah. Oh, I watched. I watched the first episode of that like a week before it premiered because uh, past and future guest David Ray. Yeah. Uh, got like a he kickstarted it I think, and so he got to like watch it a week early and. Okay. Yeah. It's it's really good. Much more I adult, like obviously, than this show. Yeah. 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 Very. And I like the first episode. It just wasn't enough to like grip me and make me want to watch more of it. But that's fair. I didn't, didn't dislike it. Fair enough. Much right, like I don't. Much like I don't dislike playing a box office game. Ooh, I love a box office game. Me too. Well, we got one. We got one for April twentieth, nineteen ninety. Oh my! Four twenty. Four twenty. Four twenty. Blaze. Good old Columbine day. Yeah. Columbine, friend of mine. Box office, 1990. April 20th. April O'Neill. April Uh Number five was number four last week. It's from Touchstone Pictures. So a nice Disney shingle from the early 90s there. Nice. It made $2.9 million this weekend. After a 31% drop, it has made 17.3 in three weeks. I'm, I'm not bad for 90. But I'm not going to get it on that. Yeah, I got nothing. Tagline or actor? Uh, tagline on this one, I think. Yeah, let's go tagline. Tagline. Tagline is guilty of maximum fun in the first degree. Oh, God. I've heard this tagline. What is this? Hey, it's guilty of maximum fun in the first degree. Hmm. It's some kind of crime comedy. I would assume. <laughs> Probably get it like with the actor, but kindergarten cop or something. Oh, wait, that's not a bad. I feel like kindergarten cop is eighties though. No, no, it's like, no? it's like 90 or 91. Is it? If it's eighties, it's 89. Yeah. I think it's not. Uh, I think it's 90. But I don't want to look that up because right. Yeah. Well, and also I think, Kindergarten Cop was a bigger hit than this. Well, do we want a new actor? Yeah, let's go. Ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. It's Jim Varney. So it's <laughs> Ernest, Ernest goes, to, goes to prison <laughs> <laughs> or jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Cool. <laughs> <laughs> goes to jail. Awesome. Oh, damn it. I should have known that. Mr. I, Barney. That's why I knew the tagline. I'd seen that poster. That was probably my least favorite Ernest movie, though. Oh, I love that one. That, but Saves Christmas is the one we watch the most. Scared Stupid, I think, is the one that I've seen in double digits easily. <laughs> Just Scared Stupid's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four is new. It is from Orion Pictures. It made $3 million this weekend. Oh, 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 Orion. Ryan doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I don't know on that. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, tagline or actor? Tagline on this. Tagline. One. Real badge. Real gun. Fake cop. Wow, this is a cop kind of weak. Yeah. So it's somebody pretending to be a cop. I'm real, real badge. Real gun. Fake cop. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think we might need the actor on this one. Yeah, I think so, too. Are we going to get it immediately last, now? Last Boy Scout or something. I don't know. No, Last Boy Scout is a real cop. Okay. All right, here we go. Alec Baldwin. Oh. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Rust. No idea. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too, many, too many references to actual shootings already in this yeah. episode. Lord. Um, yeah, no, I, ha- I don't think I've seen this. Uh, real badge, real gun, fake cop. I, yeah, I, I have no idea. Alec Baldwin finds a cop badge and a gun, pretends to be a cop like two years after Beetlejuice. <laughs> Same year as um, Hunt for Red October, isn't it? I feel like that might have been 89, but close. No, Hunt for Red October was definitely 90. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's that's 1990. But Well, you want to go actor uh, two. Yeah. See who else Might is as well. Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay. I sincerely don't know what this movie is. No freaking idea. I'm going to tell you right now, we can move on to number three and we're going to lose the game because of this, this (laughs) fucking movie. And I'm going to see the title and know exactly what it is, but okay. Okay. Uh, Number three was number three last week uh, from Paramount pictures. It made 3.5 this weekend after 17% drop. It's made a 95 million in eight weeks. That is a big take home for a movie in 1990. Yeah. Paramount. How many weeks? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Tag link. I think we're a year or two, maybe a year for Star Trek six. Let's play the game where we go. Actor number two. Because five was eighty nine, yeah, and I think on Discover Country it's eighty and it's ninety one. All right, do do you really want to try actor number two? Yes, Zach's field saucy. It's Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Okay, well this must be hunt. Yeah, this one's hunt for October. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. It's the hunt for Red October. I, I should have just punched it in as soon as I read it, but I would have I would have gotten it again off this tagline: "Invisible, silent, stolen." But mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank oh, you guys geez. for your previous uh, points. Okay, what's number two? <laughs> uh, number two is number two. Last week, it is again from Touchstone Pictures. Oh, made it 
8.3 this weekend after a 18% drop. Only 18. It has made 71.7 in five weeks. Oh, this is pretty good times at the movies. Yeah. Apparently just releasing banger after banger. And I think I, I think I know what number one is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I think I know what number one is too. You probably do because I think I made a joke about it. Oh, oh no. We'll, we'll have to get there when we get there. But number two. Okay. All right. Touchdown. Uh, tagline. Well, hold tagline. on. Oh, holding. Oh, 71.7. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot myself in the foot by saying, let's do actor two again. But I don't know. We can... Let's do actor two again. Oh, sorry. I already clicked. Oh, that's fine. That's it okay. sounded yeah. like Zach wasn't going to do that. She walked off the street into his life. Pretty woman. And stole his heart. <laughs> yep. Pretty woman. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. Pretty woman. Nice. All right. Jonathan, I think I know what number one is. Do you want I think the I do, deta- too. do you want the details or do you want to say the joke that you said first? I, it wasn't even a joke, but yeah. You said you, you made a joke about it. So. I did. I did. Because what? it was it was uh, April. Okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Number one was number one last week. It's from New Line. <laughs> it made $9.7 million this week. I just remember that. 1990. After a 30% drop, it's made 89 in four weeks. I think this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, buddy. I can't think of another new line cinemas film in 1990 that would have made $89 million. I just thought 1990 in early summer. A lot of money. And guess what? What's that? We are correct. Hooray! All right, let's go lose this game despite how well we've done outside of this stupid one. Maybe the director will tickle us somehow. Okay, let's pick the director. Alec Baldwin, Jennifer Jason Lee, Real Badge, Real Gun, Fake Cop, directed by George Armitage. Hmm. Journeyman director George Armitage. No, that's not helping. Hey, and guess what? Actor three is Fred Ward okay. from the Tremors films. <laughs> <laughs> it is a action crime drama thriller. Mm-hmm. Its budget was zero dollars. Wow. That's not right. <laughs> they just filmed it on the street. Its final gross was holy shit. Its final gross is only nine million dollars. This is why we don't know what this movie is. <laughs> uh all right. Reveal all hints. Is that what you do? Reveal next? all hints. Here's the plot. The plot okay. is after Junior is released from pl- prison, he plans on starting a new life in Miami. But when he kills a man in the airport, he flees the scene and finds Susie, a mild mannered prostitute, searching for stability. The two opposites become romantically involved, and Junior steals a badge and a gun from a veteran detective. Using the officer's identity, Junior embarks on a crime spree and convinces Susie that he is the perfect man. Wow. It sounds strangely familiar, but I just, I don't know. Uh, All right. Next is the give up button. Uh, Anybody <laughs> want to take a guess what this movie is called? Bad Boy Cop. No. I got nothing. Miami Blues. Oh, damn. Nope. Never heard of it. Me neither. Got nothing. This movie does not exist. 
Right. So what did we end up point-wise with that bullshit? Zero because we lost. No. Yeah, zero because we lost, but uh, overall 645. Okay. Like you, Eric Ballroom. But it would technically be 845 because we didn't use any of our guesses. It's produced by Jonathan Demme. That's our mm-hmm. box office game for the week. Yeah. Well, that was fun, though, even Indeed. though we lost. Well, thank well, you. Yeah. Tech Fujimoto did the cinematography. Now we got to watch it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Love Tech Fujimoto. This is this is a year before he does silence too. So, <laughs> all, right. all right, you guys want to talk about a movie? beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches and welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast show we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong what film are we watching this week zach we're watching battleground from 1949 it's an intimate look into a band of brothers struggling to fend off the doom and the biting cold during world war ii siege of bastogne Beautiful. Uh, before we get into anything else, Miami Blues is on Prime Video, Tubi, and Pluto TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, it's everybody's first time seeing Battleground. Yes. It is. Uh, no for me. Oh, another Oscar first. Did Not you a- watch... He, no, oh no! He, it was no. It was a no. You have seen this before. I have seen. I have oh, seen. Well, it's, it's everybody's first time seeing it. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I watched this. Uh, I watched this for best picture. For best picture, when we covered all the King's Men on. Uh-huh. Yeah, and honestly, I I I had this film, and I was like, oh, kind of interesting that I've downloaded this already, and then as soon as I clicked open the picture on my Plex. I was like, oh, I know what this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I could remember from it was uh, it co-starred Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then as I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all coming back. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Very good. All right. But now we have an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. Battleground wins. Best story and screenplay, which is a weird way to refer to this. Yeah. Best original screenplay. Uh, because now they're just calling adapted screenplay screenplay. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> this weird few years we got here. Yeah. So we'll keep you informed. Uh, it gives Robert Piroche, 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 Piroche. Academy Award, uh, beating out Jolson Sings Again. Written by Sidney Buckman, Paisan, uh, written by Al- Alfred Hayes, Federico Fellini, Sergio Emidi, Marcello Pellegro, and Roberto Rossellini. Oh, wow. Uh, also beats out Passport to Pimlico, written by T.E.B. Clark, and The Quiet One, written by Helen Levitt, Janice Loeb, and Sidney Myers. And that one's interesting because it's a documentary, right? Mm hmm. Sure is. 
But hey, this got nominated for other awards. So yay! I know it's shock after the last few weeks. Yep. Uh, it got as we mentioned up top. It got nominated for best motion picture, mm-hmm. giving Door Sherry an Academy uh, an Academy Award nomination for Metro Goldwyn Mayer, but it get beat, it gets beat out by All the King's Men. Uh, it gets nominated for Best Director, giving William A. Wellman, director of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, oh. an Academy Award nomination. Mm. And he loses to Joseph L. Mankiewicz for A Letter to Three Wives, and I believe this is Mankiewicz's back-to-back Oscar, his first of two back in his back-to-back Oscar ones. What if it was Brad? <laughs> what if it was Brad? <laughs> We got to bring that back. Yeah. Uh, James Whitmore, very young James Whitmore, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor, uh, playing Sergeant Kenny, the one with the bad feet mm-hmm. and the uh, chewing tobacco. Uh, screenplay. I thought I had seen it in another one. Am I mistaken? Oh, there it is. It won. Best Cinematography, Black and White, giving Paul C. Vogel an Academy Award. And it was nominated for Best Film Editing, giving John Dunning a nomination. Losing to Champion, giving Harry W. Gerstad an Academy Award. Wait. Wait. The guy with the bad feet was Brooks? Was Brooks from Shawshank. Shawshank. Yeah. Like I said, very young. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Brooks from Shawshank Redemption and Khan, or as he should be known as, the grandpa from Spy Kids. Yeah. <laughs> and that is our Academy Award breakdown. Thank you. All right. Well, let's talk about this movie. Let's. Let's. It was a war movie. Hmm. I, I mean, I, it wasn't bad. I just... I don't know, man. I don't like horror movies. I find them like this one was a bit more. It 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 didn't feel propaganda. It felt more mm-hmm. like war is hell kind of war movie. But it just is fine. <laughs> it's fair. I um I was a little surprised at what it turned out to be when uh you no. Know, when I went into it thinking I was, you know, watching a war movie because it is a war movie, but it's so much, <clears throat> excuse me, focused on the relationships. I don't know. I'm sure Paul can uh, shed some light on what what it's comparable to war movies that have been nominated in the like the six or seven years previous to this that he, he might have seen. Um, because from what I've seen from this era, it is much more conversation and relationship based and more downbeat. And, and when you mentioned uh, William Wellman, I, I recognized his name, but I didn't like click on him. And so when you said all quiet on the Western front, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, obviously uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very similar other than, you know, the ending, not quite striking the same tone, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very good. Um, and I'll pause there and let Mr. Workman share his thoughts. Uh, give me just a second here. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I mixed up directors. Lewis Milestone directed All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, that's William A. Wellman directed Wings. Wings. Oh, okay. Hurry Bubbles. Hurry Bubbles. Hurry Bubbles. Thank you. Well, still makes sense. Still makes sense. Um, so I'll just say that, uh, like I said, I started watching this and the film just kind of started flooding back. And as I started watching it, I started remembering a lot of the storylines and remembering that I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does feel miles different from literally any of the war, any of the other war films from this decade. Sure. Okay. Like there are some that came close to the, like capturing the, the natural flow of this film and the conversational tone. And this film just feels fresh. And I don't know if it's just, it's nice to see an American film where we're not just like, uh, throwing racial epithets at uh, Japanese people, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and uh, you know, watching Nazis die always fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, it it doesn't. It, it's so it's so natural. Like yeah. these guys sound like they're just talking to each other. It almost sounds like they just let them go on the day. Like, okay, this is your character. This is your character. This is your character. You guys just talk to each other. Yeah. And I know that it's most it's probably mostly scripted at this point, but the fact that this this script feels just so grounded in this reality is incredible. Right. And I wonder, um, you know, it's, the notes talk about how there were 20 veterans from the 101st Airborne served as advisors and played as extras in the film. Yeah. And so there's, while there's, certain historical things that have been changed probably mostly just for protecting right whatever Name, names have been changed and yeah but a lot of it is very reflective of reality according to um people who were there and um a lot of the the language and the jokes and and the the uh referring to american pop culture and sports stuff and things like that were all things that soldiers did and one of my favorite lines, uh, I'd, I'd never heard really anywhere else other than a Kurt Vonnegut book, but it was a um, racier version of the take a flying fuck at a rolling donut. Um, mm-hmm. So w- here they said, uh, take a leap at a rolling donut or flying leap. But um, right. And that was something that Kurt Vonnegut had heard when he was in the service. So it just it's. It's sprinkled with realism. There's so much um, vulnerability with the characters, and yeah, there's there's so much humanity in this film. Yeah, like these characters are so just human and likable, and they're mm-hmm. you know they all have their quirks and traits, but mm-hmm. you know that's mostly so you could tell them apart when they're talking, right? <laughs> you really can't some of the time. Yeah. That was one of my complaints on the early part of the movie. I was having a little trouble um, keeping the characters to get uh, straight at first. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there's moments where every people are constantly like, "How the hell am I just get out of here? I want to go back home and fuck this place." <laughs> but yeah. then, but then they, you know, they rise up and do what they need to do. But it's not always glorified. It's like they're just wanting to survive. 
Yeah. And, and you know, and you got the one guy who's supposed to like leave mm-hmm. because his wife's too sick to care for their child. And he's here in the entire film. Right. <laughs> because, you know, it, yeah, there's just so much where like uh, characters complain about how they're always out of the loop on things. Right. Like, hey, man, it'd be it'd be nice if they told us what we were doing and why we were doing it. And you understand why they're not, because, you know, you you get the whole storyline with the undercover Germans. Right. Which is which is, you know, apparently made up for the film, which I guess yeah. is all right. But uh, but, you know, if all if all these guys have too much information and these very passable as American Germans come up and talking to you, suddenly you're just spilling your guts to them and. Like, oh, yeah, well, they got us moving over here and we're going to do this, but we won't be protecting this thing anymore. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll go attack that thing. Right. Like, yeah, there's. But I can't you know, keep going in circles. I'm trying to like get my thoughts together. Yeah. yeah. No, I get you. Um, I think uh, although it, it's a very kind of light thing to be praising. But again, for the time, it, it's nice to have a uh, major uh, Latino character that's treated with maybe his character is not treated with respect because he dies, but the, the death is very respectful and they obviously cared about this man. And <laughs> I think there maybe is one black guy, but I don't remember him having any lines. He didn't have any lines. They, they brought him in so they could have that, <laughs> have that chaplain give that big speech about fascism and not, not letting racists push people around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those things, may, maybe the writer and William A. Wellman, really felt that and they put this black face like right up front yeah. so that you could see him so that while you're watching this movie they're like hey this guy is included in this this right. speech that we're giving yeah includes this guy right which you know feels a little tokenish but i'm sure yeah. it's well-meaning yeah if we're late 40s it's uh nice to see something like that in a film yeah um yeah, and like the scene where uh, you know Holly is uh, thinking about running away, but then you know he gets caught, and he's either in his shame or he finds his courage to go um, mm-hmm. flank and lead that attack. It's it is so tense. I like finding myself like, what would I do in this situation? Like bullets flying, you know, one wrong move and you're dead. Um, I I use the uh, term band of brothers in the introduction on purpose. Cause I feel like this to me, it felt like a proto kind of saving private Ryan. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. a different, different plot structure and point of the um, mission, but just the camaraderie and the conversations and, and the focus on what these guys are feeling. I can, I can definitely imagine Steven Spielberg having seen this movie and it having an impact on him. Yeah. But I think it's well-written. Um, I was looking at uh, Robert Karosh is what I'm, I'm, how I'm going to say it. He worked in advertising before coming to Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, wrote on a few scripts, uh, worked in TV, but I think this looked like it was probably his career highlight because uh, it was a very successful movie, both critically and it um, did well at the box office. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. He's got Day at the Races in there. Okay. Which is uh, the Marx Brothers film. He's oh, un- yeah, yeah. He's uncredited on uh, Night at the Opera and Wizard of Oz. That's interesting. Oh. So just doing some touch up there, I guess. Mm. But yeah, this this is, I don't know, what did Day at the Races bring in? 2.3 on a 2 million budget. So probably, I don't know how much of a hit that is in 
Yeah. This was 6.2 on a 1.6, and it said it was uh, whoever's um, MGM. Uh, MGM's largest grossing film in five years. So that, that was pretty good. They haven't hit. They haven't really hit their musical stride yet. Right, right. Well, Jonathan, you look like you're dying to say something. You know, I I feel bad because this is just I'm just done with war movies, dude. <laughs> I, I get you. You even when you we were doing Best Picture, you you were very clear about you know it's just not your thing. Yeah, well, and then like, and there were some like Wings. Wings I loved, yeah. but Wings was like my first eye opening experience to old cinema and going, man, I enjoyed this. Yeah. But Jesus fucking Christ, it's like Marvel fatigue now, except, you know, <laughs> shit that's actually going on. Like, how do you not just be depressed when all the fucking movies that are coming out is like, hey, the world's fucking burning right now. Here's your entertainment. It's more of the world fucking burning. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I understand the tone of this film is not made to be. Hey guys, look, we're winning the war. We're doing great. When it's more, this is what's going on the front lines. This is what it's like. You know, you keep saying everybody's like, "Hey, you know, we want to serve, we want to join, we want to help." And you know, this is what it actually looks like, or at least as much as they can. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure if they could have gotten even grittier, they would have. Yeah, <laughs> but and, and you know, and we're a few years removed from the war now. Yeah, and it it is weird that the kind of propaganda I was watching while the war was, you know, from when the war was going on, and watching this now, where it's like, okay, well, this we is one. What... Let's, let's see how much it sucked. <laughs> yeah, and and this feels more in line with like best years of our lives. That's what I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think this would pair very nicely with that. Where. Yeah, I, I I think you do this one first, the best years of our lives after. Like, exactly. You know, here's here's what it was like, and here's like when this is what it's like when they come home. And, yeah, yeah. It's so it's it's almost like this immediate this immediate I don't want to say backlash to the war because unfortunately, like the necessity of us to be involved in this war, especially on the European front and the very blatant evil that we did help stop mm-hmm. us and us and the Russians. I know the British want to take a lot of credit too, so we'll give so that give it to them. Uh, but it, it it was kind of a necessity at the time, right? And so to have this kind of like response in the wake of it is is really interesting to me. It is. Especially like, you know, looking at the notes here, how it was like it was screened for um, going out of my brain. The president, Truman. <laughs> mm, yeah. I wonder what he thought watching it, if, if it made him feel anything, you know, I mean, it's, it's See, dropped a bomb then, and stuff. So. <laughs> and that just kind of is part of the thing that bugs me as well is like, you know, you're removed from it at this point. Hey, guys, you're home. Come watch what you saw. Come relive yeah, this. Well, like, I mean, because we're. Mm. We're talking a, a fairly large population of the U.S. was part of this and saw this shit. And yeah, it's and, like, and not only that, like men who were there, yeah, were in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they they're not even half a decade removed from this shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it, the the entire premise of a war film is just. 
I understand the necessity of showing what happened mm-hmm. or if nothing else as a historical archive, you yeah. know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, as one who looks at film as entertainment, right. I don't find war films entertaining. I find it the fact that it is entertaining to people depressing. Like, yeah. the, the, and this movie in no way glorifies war at all. Like right. not even in the slightest, but I just, I also personally feel war films, just their creation alone is something that the wrong people are going to get the wrong idea as they are going to see it as a glorified. Like these were men back when men were men. And <clears throat> you know, you think you got it hard. Look what we had to do. It's like, well, yeah, I get yeah, you, it. Just, it, it, you, you end up like, uh, you end up like Tom Cruise and born on the 4th of July. Yeah. He's like, well, my father got to fight his war. So it's time for me to be a man and fight mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, and like I, I feel like know, uh, go on. I was I was gonna say I just kind of remember uh, we had a bit of this conversation probably when we watched the Hurt Locker, you know, similar kind of themes uh, going on there. Yeah, and yeah, I I watch war. I I watch films mostly to feel something. Sure, I like being taken by movies. It's it's how I digest movies. Uh, there are entertaining war films out there. They they come later on when we're kind of removed from World War II and you get like Where Eagles Dare and Guns and Amaroon and shit like that where they're more action films than they are. Yeah. They are these like uh, melodramas that look into the the hell the hellishness of war and mm-hmm. the brotherhood yeah. that, that that hell creates. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I also, I just don't know if it's just the mood that I'm currently, because I mean, there have been war films that I'm, that I've enjoyed. And, you know, even you look at like medieval films where, you know, these are people literally slashing each other to fucking death. I mean, just because there's, you know, not artillery doesn't mean it's not basically the same thing. And I enjoy those. I just fucking depressing, man. I just, Give me My Little Pony for a little bit. Maybe that's just what I need. I need something <laughs> with sunshine and sparkles. Understandable. We we are very supportive of that here at the Oscar Worsty Podcast. Do what you need to do for your mental health. Yeah, but yeah, but again, it's the film itself. Just it didn't. Again, this comes with the modern lens where I've seen films like this, in the sense of we're looking at the humanity of war instead of the larger picture and we're not mm. we're not we're not looking at tokens moving on a map you know, mm-hmm. we're we're yeah. the we're zoomed in pretty far so gotcha. we've, we've seen this a bit more and mm-hmm. you know i think again had i watched this film back then where it's not something i've seen a few times then yeah i probably would have appreciated it more but you know what i'll again, say yeah. fucked me up kind of the most was <laughs> Denise's death, the way she screamed. That was yo, a, that scream oh. was yo. Even through the modern lens, that, that yeah, that, shook that me a bit. That that yeah. one hit. Yeah, and, and those those poor children who had lost their parents, like going with her, just right. Like, yep. Really fucking, oh yeah. Fucking Nazis. Fucking. 
fucking he's nuts. All he's right. Shit. Well, do uh, you gentlemen have? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, man, Ricardo Montalban. I mean, just Ricardo just, Montalban. Just <laughs> stays handsome. God like, damn handsome. There, there is no time period. That man isn't one of the sexiest people who ever graced a movie screen. That's <laughs> true. True indeed. That's really what I got. I just really want to <laughs> praise Ricardo Montalban. Just be beautiful. You know, I... You know, I like a lot of the performances in here. Yeah, no. Uh, the only thing, I mean, the the the, the teeth clicking thing was uh, just on my fucking nerves. Because I'm, when I'm watching these movies, I'm watching them with headphones, and <laughs> it's just probably the point. Oh, but I get it. Yeah, like I understand. Like it just Ugh. fucking a dude, <laughs> especially when it's sleeping. Like it's everything is quiet, and you're just hearing him sleeping and. Knocking away and just oh god, fucking stop it! But like you said, probably the point, and yep. probably and well done. Just <laughs> you, you have done what you meant to do, which is when he's busting that new guy's chops. Yeah, and the new guy's like, yeah. And my mom made me brush my teeth twice a day so my <laughs> teeth didn't fall out. <laughs> and Van Johnson's just laughing at him. That shit was amazing. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, gents, do you yeah. have any more notes on Battleground? No, I, I think I it's not. just a beautiful human film. Sure. And we, we've, you know, seen a couple of war films at this point that have echoes of it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, did we have any uh, Library of Congress this week? All right. Uh, so the year was 1949. Do we think this got in, and what year do you think it got in? Um, I want to say yes. Oh, I feel like maybe yes. I I was trying to avoid reading any notes, so I didn't come across any. But I'd say yes, and if it did, it would have been like ninety-eight. Yeah, that, uh, this awesome. did not make it in. No, yes. has not made it in yet. How, however, we want to phrase that. Hmm. Uh, films that did make it this year. Uh, Adam's Rib, All the King's Men, the Best Picture winner, 12 Clock High, the Best Picture nominee, and the best film of 1949, On the Town with Gene Kelly, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Good one. I love that film so much. Also, uh, I realized I was reading a note that said in 1951, MGM released a film quite like this called Go for Broke. I have that. I got that in that box of 50 movies. Oh, <laughs> nice. nice. With a Frank Sinatra Holding film. Never, right now. never so few. A Van Johnson's in there, too. Yeah. yeah. Van, uh, Van Johnson's in it. And uh, Dor Sherry produced it again. And Robert Peroche wrote and directed it this time. Oh, thanks. Oh. Very Frank, nice. Check that one out, because I haven't watched that yet. Hmm. That's what. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our worsty judgments. And Zach, hi. Did this movie deserve the best original screenplay? <laughs> well, uh, sadly, I haven't seen the other nominees, so I have to say it. Well, yes, I still I. 
I think it's a very good script, so I'm I'm comfortable saying yes, even though I haven't seen the others. I think it's probably um, it's even a better film than the Best Picture winner, um, even if I probably liked A Letter Three Wives the most, but definitely better what? than. What if it was Brad? <laughs> exactly. I always wonder. Um. Yeah. So yes, it did. That's my short answer. What do you think? Well, like you, I have not seen any of the other films. Uh, I assume a large majority of them are just more war films. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this movie definitely deserves, the, the, I mean, for the screenplay, the way it was written. Absolutely. Absolutely. We deserve it. Paul. Sorry, you said most of them are war films, so I'm seeing what they're I don't know. Uh, (laughs) The only other one that is a war film in this category is Paisan, an Italian war drama uh, written by Federico Fellini and directed by Roberto Rossellini, so I kind of want to see that. Me too. Uh, But the other films are Jolson Sings Again uh, about Al Jolson, the star of uh, the jazz singer. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's most well known for, but he was a performer and uh, spent the rest of his life making up for the fact that he did blackface and jazz singer. So oh, yeah. check that out. Um, I haven't I haven't seen that movie. I haven't seen any of these movies, to be true. Uh, Passport to Pimlico is a British comedy. So, I, you know, I love my British comedy and the quiet ones, a documentary about uh, the rehabilitation of a young, emotionally disturbed African-American that's, it seems very interesting. Um, yeah, real popcorn entertainment. Anyway, I haven't I haven't seen the rest of these. Uh, I'm hoping here in the next couple of weeks I'm going to start getting a little more free time and maybe feeling a little bit of ease and being able to get into watching mm-hmm. nominees again. We'll see how that goes. But yep. uh, I will say I do think this film deserved best screenplay. I think this is... If if every word in this movie was written, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If a writer was willing to stand out of the way while uh, a bunch of actors just kind of fucked around on camera, also really good. I like that. Um, I think this is a strong film or strong script and probably up there in the upper echelon of war films for me. All right. Well, Zach, is this the worst best original screenplay? Uh, no. Let's see. Um, I'm going to put it. I gave it four and a half, so I gave it the Zach. Uh, I, I'm I'm trying to see if I want to put it at three or four. It's it's competing with Marie Louise right now. Um. <sighs> I'm going to put it at number four, right behind Marie Louise. I, I think uh, it's very good. It's got you know similar kind of grounded and reality feeling. But I appreciate that one a little more. So, no, not the worst. Number four. All right. Um, again, I'm two movies in the hole. So, this is my number seven. I am... Fortunately, again, because 
of replayability, I, I put this at my number six. It's not the worst. Um, if I look at it as a screenplay perspective, I I teeter between number five and number six. But I, 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 if I give it that replayability factor, I think it goes on my number six above Woman of the Year and mm-hmm. underneath Princess O'Rourke. Okay. Um, just, you know, I might, I might watch it again and change my mind. I might need to be, like, like I said, not that I'm in a bad headspace, but just in a fatigued headspace. Right, right. That might be best to give it a, give it a fair shake. So. But that being said, I'm willing to watch the film again. So that, that I think, in itself gives it quite a bit of credit. So. Nice. Very fair. Uh, um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna just kind of riff off your rewatchability idea. That I, as I said, I I I got to the the menu screen on this and realized what film I was about to watch, and I was very happy to be watching this film. And I watched it this morning, and I was elated that it was as good as I remember it. And then I went and looked up uh, what my letterbox score was. Because it's like, am I am I being a little over generous by giving this the Zach? <laughs> and then I went and I looked at my letterbox score from February of 2021 when I watched this the first time, and there it was, the Zach. <laughs> and I said, oh shit, I I am so consistent in my taste. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I was I was real happy with that, um, but no, this is this is not even close to the worst. I have it at my number three right now under Marie Louise, uh, and fortunately, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer got put put down one mm-hmm. as much as I I may rewatch that film and that might bump back up <laughs> just because. <laughs> what a delightful I movie! Love that movie so much. Yes. So yeah, uh, it's it's in my one of my three films currently with Zach and under my two films with the Paul. <laughs> the Paul. I, I'll just give five stars of fucking anything. <laughs> anything that makes you feel disgusting, human being. I got yeah. like seven that have five stars of the year of twenty twenty three right now because I'm just a horrible person. You like what you like. I do. Exactly. Exactly. And there might be a film at the theater right now that rhymes with Shmine, Shmutin, Shminja, Shmirtles that uh, <laughs> I absolutely love. Mm, nice. might, might be my new favorite film ever made. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm not sure that's true, but uh, <laughs> I really want to go see it like 12 more times. <laughs> awesome. Nice. All right. Well, gents, I think that's where we're going to call it today. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitch, TikToks, and the letterbox at AlternateRockham. I didn't watch shit this week. I just watched a bunch of disc golf YouTube videos to get a couple more strokes off my game. Yes, I said strokes. That sounds pretty par for the course. God damn it, Paul. (laughs) Apparently, once you start disc golfing a lot, you become part of a cult. It's my personality now. I understand this. So, <laughs> that's fair. It's getting my fat ass out of the house, and that's all that matters. Hey, yeah, Zach, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Critiker, Zackmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd by searching my name. Mr. Workman. Uh, you can follow me on places that I am. Fuck, uh, TikTok. That's the words I'm looking for. Uh, at Shark Dress Men, where Joseph Tappy and I are covering all sorts of shark-related content. You can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd, at Father of the Fear. Uh, Letterbox, where I am keeping a running tally of all the films I watch. So go ahead and look at those if you want. And this week, I watched myself complete the Paldea Pokedex. I'm so proud of you. Look at Hooray! that. They gave, they gave me a beast ball for completing the Pokedex. Nice. What are you going to do with your life now? Uh, I've started a... Um, well, currently, if you really want to know... I am trying to 100% the Pokedex in Pokemon Home. Oh, okay. Which is the complete national decks. Yes. Uh, which is every game that has new Pokemon in it. Uh, I'm trying to complete that because... <laughs> God, this is going to be the nerdiest thing I've ever fucking said on this show. And that's saying something. <laughs> when you complete that Pokedex, as a reward, they give you... A Pokeball colored Magearna, and I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You know what? I think you may have just decided for me what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go lay in bed and play Pokemon. Hell yeah! Hooray! Man, my my day has been my day has been almost nothing but Pokemon. <laughs> I, I woke up. I completed the National Pokedex today while watching this movie because I was like, oh. I seen this and I know all the beats. I can I can half watch this while trying to get these last like eight Pokemon I need. Uh then uh Owen woke up and when Owen woke up, we were watching the the uh video game Pokemon World's Championship finals. Nice War Pokemon World's Championships was I saw, I saw your tweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got a shiny Pokemon while watching the fucking card game championships at like <laughs> one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, so, so I did that. I watched that, and then we went out and did. Um, we went out and did Froakie Community Day today for three hours. We walked around in way too hot a heat. Whoa! <laughs> I got eleven shinies though, so I'm real excited about yes. that. Nice. And I came home and I I fixed my switch light so that I could start playing um, Shining Pearl, the rem the switch remake of the Gen 4 game Pearl. Yeah. And I played that until I caught on here with you guys where I am now talking about Pokemon. Have you have you picked yeah. up Pokemon Sleep yet? Or is that just a game you don't want to I touch? Okay, so I played Pokemon Sleep for about a week. Mm -hmm. The problem with me and Pokemon Sleep is I don't sleep well. Yeah. I am a horrible sleeper. I normally only get about six hours of sleep a night. Same. And the game's like, you need 8.5 hours of sleep. Bitch. <laughs> I have to get three consecutive nights of four hours of sleep to sleep more than eight hours. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> that is the only reason why I have not downloaded it because I am at, I am a very comfortable six hour sleeper. If I attempt to sleep longer than six hours, I am a piece of shit for the rest of the day. And I don't need a game to tell me that I'm sleeping wrong when I already got a doctor that tells me that. <laughs> I can't function as a human being if I get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. 
it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I get three hours of sleep, and I'm like, okay, I'm a little groggy, but I can get through this day. Yeah. Eight hours of sleep? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I speak to today alone after, you know, doing 18 holes yesterday for a course that I've never done before. Went to bed at two o'clock in the morning and then had a child who, for some strange fucking reason, likes to wake up at six o'clock on the day she doesn't have to go to fucking daycare. So I watched Pokemon tournaments until one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And then my body was like, oh, hey, you normally wake up at about 630 because I don't like you. How about you wake up at 645 on a Sunday after you went to bed at one? And yeah, and I was just awake for the rest of the day because I had to pee so bad. Because once my eyes, like, <laughs> I can if if I lay still enough, I can maybe go back to sleep. But I had to pee so bad, I didn't mean to get off on the stage. But fuck, fuck, no, on sleep. I don't like it. it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I I get you. I've been what? as I've gotten older, I've been shooting for seven, and and on weekends if I can get a half hour power nap in the afternoon, that's perfect for me. Seven plus thirty. Still not hitting that eight, but that's where that's where I am. I hate napping. I, I feel like I've wasted precious video game time or daughter time or just I do that. Well, I use the nap to get away from the kids. That's my recharge. It's like, okay, oh, I am overstimulated. Time to go and take a nap. And that's my wife. I will tell her if you want to go. And she may I, I feel back on it, feel like I'm saying, Hey, you need a Snickers. Like you need a nap. <laughs> like, no. I want you to use your time to recharge. Get yeah. away from the kid. I, I will take her. Let you nap. Me, Good job. Right. Can't can't do it. Just I hate napping. Yeah, gotcha. it, like I'll I'll take a nap, but I mostly only take naps because my naps are like ten minutes long. Yeah, mm. that's how bad I am at sleeping. I'm, like, I'm I my eyes shoot up shoot up after ten minutes, and again, it has to be like consecutive days of next to no sleep for me to like fall or like my headache has to be so bad that I, I can't keep my eyes open. Mm-hmm. And then, and then maybe I could take a nap longer than 30 minutes. Maybe or huge. Maybe I think I took a nap earlier today might've been five minutes and I had a horrible headache. Yeah. Uh, before or after? Uh, before, before that's the uh, reason I went to go take a nap. Gotcha. You, you think I wanted to interrupt all my Pokemoning for fucking <laughs> sleep? <laughs> How many Pokemon went uncaught in that time? <laughs> this is this is good insight on the, the Oscar Worsty Grouches. <laughs> now you know part of where the Grouches come from. Uh, it's We're a bunch of sleep deprived old men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, I'm going to start asking this question, Zach. Oh. What are we watching next week? Oh, wait. It's the end of the decade. We guess we need to do a really quick recap. Well, you know what? Fuck me. I forgot. And and it's and, and it's perfect because there was this started at the beginning of the decade and ended at the end of the decade. And only yeah. skipped one year. So yeah. we, we got go on. I was gonna say, yeah, Jonathan has two movies yet that he needs to see, like he said earlier, but Yeah, but I can I got something pretty firm that I can say, so I feel pretty uh, good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um well let's uh let's do the round here, Zach. Nineteen forties. Um, is this the worst decade? Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. this the worst decade? God, it is. It's the worst. Uh, inconsistent decade. We got half the movies I really like. Half, uh, I liked 
large parts of the film and then was disappointed. So inconsistent, couple stars, but yeah, it's the worst. All right. Well, what do you think? Uh, they, like I said, I had something pretty firm to say about this decade, and that yeah. is that this is so far the worst. I That's a pretty firm stance. Yeah, I just been doing that disc golf. Firm yeah, stance. Exactly. And you're missing seventh fail. And what was the other one? Uh, Wilson. Did you Wilson? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can't wait for you to catch up on those. <laughs> you, can Jonathan, uh, you can Jonathan Wilson, but we, I, I'm really interested on your thoughts on the uh, seventh fail. fail. So yeah. am I. <laughs> I they are films that I plan to catch up on. And I will let you know so that we can have a good cold open topic. Uh, right. But that being said, of the films from this year, I I really like the Great McGinty. Yeah, it's such I a really good film. And of course, you know, fucking Citizen Kane, man. Yep, fucking Citizen like, Kane, man. <laughs> like, come on, uh, but yeah, no, this this uh, decade comparatively fucking sucks. Yep. The worst, Paul. Well, so we did the full decade, and. You know, there there were five films I absolutely loved. A couple I liked that just didn't stick their landing properly. One that might as well just be non-existent. And one that should be non-existent. Mm. Uh, the one I think might as well not be non-existent was the one we covered for 1948. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think this was a very... Very strong decade for winners, mostly. But mm. compared to the other decades that we have covered at this point, it is the worst. So, so sorry, Citizen Kane. Yeah. You're just in the bottom right yeah. now. Like well, you, you might be five stars like four times on my letterbox, but I don't know what to tell you. Bottom of the fucking barrel. Quit scraping Hollywood. Jesus. Yeah. All, All right. right. <laughs> Zach, what are we watching next week? Launching into the 50s with an iconic one, Sunset Boulevard, which you can rent on Amazon, Apple TV, Google, Vudu, or YouTube. Excellent. Yes. And with that, we're going to thank our producer, Trap, producing Armando, and you catch him on our sister podcast, Lovely of Benjamin Banks. We're going to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We're going to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook, the Oscarsity Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Ricardo, mighty algorithm. Okay, excellent. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I got nothing to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> so, for Jonathan, Zach, and Van Johnson trying to make scrambled eggs in a <laughs> military helmet, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs> <laughs>